Welcome to the Art Life Faith Podcast. This is the show where we talk about art, what it has to do with your life, and what it has to do with the Christian faith. And I'm your host, Roger Lowther. This is episode nine, Pippi the Piano and the Very Big Wave. During a series of Christmas concerts a number of years ago, I was traveling through an area where the 2011 tsunami hit, near the city of Kamaishi. Of the 16,000 people killed by the tsunami, over a thousand were killed in this town. And it's not a very big place. Everyone there knows someone who died. New Life Kamaishi Church was completely flooded by the wave, but miraculously, the building was left standing. It was partly protected by a steep cliff that rises right behind the church. After the tsunami, wherever you went, you could see a mud stain on the walls of all the buildings of how high the water rose on that day. And when the people decided to rebuild their church, they did something crazy. <laughs> they deliberately put a scar into their beautiful new wall right at the height that the water came on that day. Pastor Yanagia said, the scars of the people will last a lifetime. So true healing is only possible when we remember that the scars of Christ still remain in his resurrected body. In other words, they built this scar into their building to remember the risen Christ. To remember that God does not throw out this world ravaged in the mud and muck of our sin, but he redeems it. And the beautiful scars of Christ forever remind us of this redemption. But there's more to the story. When the people returned to their church, they found their piano upside down under a, a huge pile of mud and debris. And in case you were wondering, pianos and water do not get along very well, okay? <laughs> when, when a piano gets wet, you really have to throw it out. It's trash, it's useless, there's nothing you can do with it. But because of the gospel, because they believe that God is rebuilding this world, rather than throwing it out, they decided to fix their piano, which is completely ridiculous. I mean, do you know how much time and money it takes to fix a piano that's damaged that badly? I mean, it'd be so much easier just to buy a new one. But instead, by fixing it, these people spread a message of hope to the people in their town. And there was so much damage to this piano. I mean, the body was gouged, the keys were so swollen they wouldn't move, uh, screws were rusted to hinges, mold covered the dampers and felt. They paid a team of piano technicians for over a year to work on that piano, disassembling, cleaning, and repairing every single piece. The most striking part of the project was the brand new music stand they designed full of symbols of hope. Noah's doves hold freshly plucked olive twigs. A rainbow flows from one side of the music stand to the other like five lines of a music staff. Scallop shells, fishing nets, and the city flower represent the city of Kamaishi. And in the very center at the bottom, there is also an anchor in the shape of a cross. This anchor is literally the foundation for everything else in the picture, the ultimate source of hope and rebuilding. 
On the cross, the wave of God's judgment crashed down on Jesus, hurling him into the depths, into the very heart of the sea of our sin. However, he rose again, and now the cross represents eternal hope and new life. This resurrected piano in New Life Kamaishi Church now reflects God's promise for creation. The church hosts a Piano of Hope concert series, and musicians come from all over Japan to play it. The piano does not just bring hope to the people of that church, but to the whole region. And many who come to these concerts hear about the Christian promise of redemption for the very first time. Personally, I think it's an unbelievably moving story. So when I first visited this church, I really want to tell others about it. The next morning, while having breakfast with the musicians on our tour, I told them, you know, I really, really want to make a children's book about this story. I'd never written a children's book before, so all I could do is kind of let the idea mull around in my head for a while until Sarah Dusek came to work with us as an intern. She already had experience illustrating a book, so it was a perfect match for her gifts and for the ministry needs at that time. The launch date of this book is December 1st, so I invited Sarah to join this podcast to celebrate the launch of this book. So, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's good to hear from you. It's been a while. It has been a while. And certainly with this coronavirus, there's not much seen of anybody nowadays. Right, right. Pretty isolating. But yeah, it's good to hear from you. Yeah, I remember your um, your time, your interning with us in Japan. There was so many amazing things that happened. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to, why don't we start with you telling people a little bit about who you are and how you ended up in Japan. Sure. So I... I am a recent graduate from Furman University. It's over in Greenville, South Carolina. I majored in English and studio art. So I've always had a passion for drawing and storytelling. I've done it since I was a kid. I'd stay up till 11 o'clock at night drawing little comics on my bedroom floor. I'd also always loved art from other cultures and learning about other cultures through their art. And so Japan has a very prominent cultural export. So, of course, I was very into Japanese art. Yeah, it led me to my freshman year of college, I believe. I did a study abroad for about a month where I hopped around to the different areas of Japan, starting in Tokyo, ending in Hiroshima, where we went to different shrines and temples and really got to appreciate and learn about the cultural history and the history of religion there and how just the vast array of architecture and just rich history that came with it. So I really got a deep appreciation for Japanese art and culture and just found it so beautiful and felt this urgent need to one day go back because it was just very inspiring, at least for me as an artist, to be surrounded by all that beauty. And yeah, that led me a couple of years later to looking for an internship somehow in Japan, but one that would also be fulfilling for me spiritually and help me grow as a person and not just be, you know, a career grab move. And I think I literally typed in on the Google search bar, internship, art, Japan, mission, something like that. And 
Roger, you popped up. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty much how I ended up over over with you guys for that summer. And it was definitely one of the best summers in my whole life. I loved it. I wish I could do it all again. <laughs> yeah, I, it was so cool. I mean, I remember too the conference that we all got to participate oh, in. There that were just was awesome. Some really talented people too got to join us even just for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And it was just really good having you here in yeah. the life of kind of what God is doing here in Japan. Okay, so one of the things that we did is this book project. What what your what were your thoughts about that? I mean, I mentioned that you had done a illustrated book in the past. Was that something you enjoyed doing that you wanted to try doing again? Yeah, I did. I felt like it sort of married my two interests of illustrating and storytelling. And it's nice to help someone's, you know, story and vision come to life. I think that's one of the joys of being an illustrator is getting to see that person have their, you know, their baby come to life. And yeah, so I did a little project for a friend's mom, like my sophomore year of college. And it was a little book of poems about these animals on a farm called A Week with the BBCs. And I was very inexperienced. It was a big learning curve, but I really enjoyed it. And so when I heard that your project for me, when I first met you in Tokyo was to be helping you kind of come up with the concepts and illustrate this children's book. I was really excited because I was like, oh my gosh, this is pretty much perfect. So I was really excited and I'm really fortunate to have gotten to work on it with you, especially it was nice doing it in person too. Yeah, one of the cool things about art, I think, is how it helps us tell stories. Exactly. And certainly we couldn't have told this story the way we did without you. <laughs> so. Um, like what went into your process of trying to visualize this story that I told you about? Well, I think the first step was definitely hearing the story and hearing you tell it and what parts were most important and impactful and what needed to be emphasized. And then I believe we went through thumbnails, plating out certain page layouts and I would ask you what kind of art styles you liked, what kind of art styles you didn't. I think we settled on something very light and friendly and approachable, like a very cutesy style, but not cheesy looking. <laughs> like it looks nice. So Yeah, actually that's, I tried to get that style too in the name we ended up coming with. I mean, yeah. piano, P-I, so Pippi is just the first two letters of piano twice and it works really well in Japanese and English. I agree, yeah. And it kind of has a light, optimistic, happy feel to it. It so. does. Very children's book friendly. But yeah, yeah, I think throughout my time in Japan was mostly where we were doing the concept art and stuff. Because that was like, I think the foundational, once you get that down, the rest is pretty easy. You just have to paint it. But yeah, it was definitely worth it. Hard work, but I grew a lot as an artist and... I really came to love the story and the town and the history and the story about the piano. So it was definitely worthwhile. One of the cool things I like that you did is how when the piano is introduced, he doesn't have a, a music stand. Pianos always have music stands. Right. But <laughs> the fact that it was left out until the point where when the piano was rebuilt with this new music stand it really makes it pop like wow pippi just looks so different yeah. and we could focus on that in the story it just helped bring out a part, a part of the story 
that you know you really can't do without that visual right i remember when you were telling me the story that the big addition to the piano that was being restored was that that music stand that was very symbolic and very detailed and beautiful and so i wanted that to be a big moment in the book because that's basically when pippi's kind of reborn and has new life he gets this brand new beautiful music stand well, there's some other things in the book that you think people may find interesting. Um, well, I did not pick on the, up at this at first, but you were the one that actually mentioned it. But the piano repairman, in many ways, represents, in this scenario, the father. And I remember you said the dog represented the Holy Spirit because he's always kind of there, lingering, but very present as well. So I thought that was a cool thing. Yeah, I remember we mentioned, you mentioned to me the color red was very auspicious in Japanese culture. So the main little girl is always wearing red. I was kind of basing his character off of my uh, 12-year-old son a little bit, like about that kind oh, of age range. Yeah, <laughs> I could totally see it now. Like he's not a little kid, but he's not really uh, adolescent yet either. You know, it's kind of that in-between stage. Right, figuring stuff out, but still mm -hmm. young at heart. It's funny, you know, I actually changed some of the text since we were working on it together. Because oh, wow. I realized that you did such a good job of visualizing it that I didn't need to say all the things that were already oh, <laughs> you know, illustrated good. in the book. I was like, there's no reason to put in words and in drawings. Let's just let the <laughs> pictures tell the story. And so um, it helped me simplify the book and make it a lot more, I think, easier to read um, and let people really focus on the pictures. Yeah, that's always a compliment. I like, I'm glad to hear it. This story actually is part of a longer book called Aroma of Beauty. They'll be coming out in a few months. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of fun that we get to take out one story from this book with it with no pictures <laughs> and to like to focus on it in a way that so many people can hear it and it's already been many people have been hearing the story in chapels at different schools i i presented this story to um to a number of missionaries and they loved it and and asked for advanced copies and have been taking Excellent. it and doing chapels in English and in Japanese. So it's already been getting, quite a few people have already heard the story That's in Japan, awesome. which is kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool to hear that something that we've worked on has already connected with so many people. So thank you, Sarah, for your yeah, time with us and you. for helping us uh, get a little glimpse more into the story of Pippi. Yeah, I'm honored to have gotten to be a part of it. So, Pippi the Piano and the Very Big Wave is available for sale on December 1st in ebook and paperback and hardcover on Amazon and wherever else you may get your books online. The church gave us permission to make this book because they really wanted people to hear the story. They fixed that piano not just for their own sake, but to bring hope to everyone who hears it. So, we really hope the story will encourage you as well as it has already encouraged so many here in Japan. This is Roger Lowther, and you've been listening to Episode 9, Pippi the Piano and the Very Big Wave of the Art Life Faith Podcast. As we say in Japan, Ja matane, see you next time. <laughs>